Broadcasting from Singapore and broadcasting all around the world. You're listening to the EdTech Chat Podcast, taking the pulse of educators from all over the globe and bringing what you need every week. Now, over to your host, Craig Kemp. Hello and welcome to Episode 6 of the EdTech Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Kemp, and I'm thrilled to have your support. This podcast is sponsored by Maker's Empire. In my opinion, Maker's Empire is the world's leading 3D design and STEM learning tool. For me, and the schools I've seen this in, it is a game changer for inspiring young learners to connect and engage with design thinking, STEM concepts, and 3D technology. Teachers all over the world are using Maker's Empire with students as young as four to engage them in unique learning experiences and to teach critical design thinking and digital technologies skills. Get connected at makersempire.com. The links are in the description below. As a bonus, listen along at the end of today's podcast to win the last class subscription to Maker's Empire worth $300. As I've shared before, I continue to work with the incredibly talented Mark Quinn to improve the final audio quality of this podcast. He has his own podcast production studio that provides editing and mastering services to content creators. To connect with Mark, please see the details in the podcast notes below. This week, I wanted to pose a question to you about your policies and procedures. Not a great topic to always go into, but I want you to think about and investigate the EdTech-specific policies and procedures in your school. How do these represent what's important for learning, and how does it reflect your mission and vision for EdTech use? Have you got responsible device use policies, and are they written for the learner or for another purpose? Policies and procedures should help guide practice and should ultimately support everyone in the community to be successful and to follow the rules and guidelines. Spend some time this week reading through some of those policies in your school that you've probably never seen before. Ask your leadership team to see them, and if they're not available to you, challenge the status quo and make sure that they are transparent. Start a discussion online and ask for examples of other people's policies and procedures. I have found that people are always happy to share. Policies should help support your mission and vision for EdTech. And if they don't, then they need to be reconsidered and revised. Thank you for your questions. This week, I wanted to discuss one question from Blair Curtis, who is based in Tasmania, Australia. He asked, I'm interested to get your opinion on student use of mobile phones in a primary setting. It seems to me that negating our most powerful communication tool may be an injustice. What are your thoughts? Thank you for your question, Blair. It's actually quite good timing, because I'm currently in the middle of developing policies for a new school opening in Singapore in August as their EdTech consultant. And the policy I'm currently refining is actually their mobile device policy. Over the past 12 months, I've worked with several schools on their K-12 through policies. And one thing I can say is that this is very context-specific. Every mobile device policy differs in just about every school that I've worked in based on several things, but normally the key factors are equitable access to devices, Wi-Fi access, leadership skill set, and teacher capacity. I've seen K-6 schools allow mobile devices for learning, and I've seen grade 6-12 to 12 schools not allow devices, and just about everything in between. In all scenarios, I feel the school made the right decision, based on their context and the community that they operate in. Mobile devices are now part of our life, whether we like it or not. 
A UNICEF screen time survey at the end of 2018 found that 98% of households with children under 8, rich and poor, now have access to a mobile device. Staggering statistics. I wanted to share my opinion on this matter, particularly framing this within a K-12 environment. First though, I want to give you some advice for schools thinking about mobile device policies. Number one, you know your school best. Talk to your community, and that includes your students and parents. What do they need to be successful in learning? Would a mobile phone add value to their learning experience? Number two, what devices do your students currently have access to within your school? And what do they have access to at home? Is equitable access to devices and Wi-Fi an issue within your community? These questions will help in your decision-making process. Number three, what is your mission and vision for educational technology in your school? What is your why? What is your strategic approach to the use of technology for learning? Some of the things that we've been speaking about over the past few weeks on the EdTech Chat podcast. Everything to do with your strategic approach to the integration of technology in your school. Number four, what is the skill level of your leadership team and your teaching faculty when it comes to the use of technology and mobile devices? Do you have the right culture to succeed with the use of mobile devices? And do your teachers have the skill set, pedagogy and capacity to learn, grow and adapt their teaching and learning practice to include mobile devices? What value will that add? Number five, how will mobile devices be managed? What capacity will they be used in? And how will behaviours be managed and maintained if implemented? Do you have a behaviour management policy for device use? What will the rules and regulations be? There are some ideas to go away with here and think about in the coming weeks. And if you need someone to bounce ideas off, don't hesitate to reach out to me or another member of your professional learning network. My thoughts on the subject, and to answer Blair's question, is that I believe we're in a time where learning is mobile and we're more connected than ever before. This can be both a positive and a negative thing, and I always look at the specific context before offering advice or solutions. My general advice, though, is that access to devices and Wi-Fi is critical. If your students have devices and they need them for learning because you do not have access to devices in your classroom, then use them. Implement them, but set policies and strict rules and regulations around their use. Give your teachers targeted professional development and support them in how to use them authentically and purposefully to add value to learning. Think of the tools and apps that can be used in this process and what other considerations, like budget, might need to be considered. Age is important, and I don't believe anyone under the age of 10 needs a mobile device, personally, nor for a learning capacity. I do believe, though, that schools, if they choose to use them to add value to learning, should be supplying devices for the purposes of learning clearly implementing and enforcing a responsible device use policy. I actually like the idea of middle and high school students having access to devices for learning in classrooms while restricting the use outside of the classroom. Being able to use a mobile device to take photos in art or to record a process in design or take a snapshot of learning for a digital portfolio can be extremely powerful and with a mobile device it makes it easier and more efficient and time effective. The right time and place is important. My generalized view of a K-12 setting is as follows. Kindergarten to grade 3, no devices at school. 
Grade four to six, devices at school for communicating with home before and after school, but they need to be put away or left in the office or with the teacher. Grade seven to 12, I have no problem with them being with the child for use in class for learning purposes. Teachers can have their own rules, and I've seen a mobile phone Dropbox being extremely successful in schools I've worked with in each room so the teacher can manage their usage and choose if and when they will be used in classes. I believe that rules need to be set about when and where they can be used. For example, not at break times or in corridors. Blair, I hope this helped you and anyone else going down this journey. If you have questions that you want answered in this segment, please reach out to me and I'll do my best to include it in an upcoming episode. A tool that has positively impacted the authentic and purposeful use of technology into classrooms and meeting rooms that I have worked in is Google Keep. I'm an organized person and I'm a little bit pedantic at times about the organization of things that impact my life. I'm definitely just a little bit OCD and I like to have things in place to stay up to date. My life would be a mess if I didn't have a calendar and I'd never achieve anything if I didn't have Google Keep. Google Keep is a free note-taking service developed by Google and part of their ecosystem. It was launched in 2013, but isn't as widely used as it should be. Google Keep is available on the web and has mobile apps for Android and iOS mobile operating systems. Keep offers a variety of tools for taking notes, including text, lists, images, and audio, and it keeps me connected, engaged, and on task. Most importantly, it links to the Google ecosystem I use every day, so everything is synced all together. Check it out. The link is in the description below. Every week, I bring you a short interview with some of my edu heroes, an engaging learning experience with someone who makes a difference in education every day, with a particular focus or angle towards educational technology. This week, I had the pleasure of chatting with inspiring class tech tips leader, educator, and author, Monica Burns. Let's have a listen. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Monica Burns. You might know her as at Class Tech Tips on Twitter with 58,000 followers, where she shares daily edtech tips and resources to her professional learning network. Monica is based in the US and lives by the motto, I make edtech easier, and everything about Class Tech Tips does just that. As a consultant, she supports educators in leveraging the use of their technology. As if she doesn't do enough, she's also the author of five inspiring books. Monica, it's an incredible pleasure to have you on the show today. Are you ready to talk education and technology integration? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Let's go. Why don't you start by describing your current role and what inspires you to do what you do? So I taught in New York City public schools for a number of years, starting off with an overhead projector and chalk and a chalkboard and moving into a one-to-one a digital environment. And I've been out of the classroom for several years. I'm often um, on the road uh, working with educators at schools, in their district, at regional events or national events. So out at conferences and running um, workshops for different organizations. So a lot of that work right now is virtual, which is still lovely to connect with people, although of course we all love the face-to-face a little bit more. Um, But in addition to that professional development work, I run my blog, classtechtips.com, and my podcast, the Easy Ed Tech Podcast, and I connect with educators through my membership site, the Easy Ed Tech Club, and then I've published uh, several books. So it's been really fun to partner with organizations like ASCD, 
to share different resources. I have a new quick reference guide that they published um, with me earlier this year. So it's been a lot of fun to work with educators on the ground at events and in their school to connect virtually. And then of course, to have the online content uh, to share. Yeah, I love that. I love everything about what you share. It's a, it was a real inspiration. Uh, and I think for, and I'm not the only one saying that. I think many people around the world are totally inspired by everything you do and say. And uh, I appreciate that. And I think for me, I'm interested in in your thoughts and mindset on education today. What excites you about education today? Well, one thing that has been front of mind for quite some time, of course, is this idea of creation and what kids can make with different digital tools. I have a whole chapter on creation in my Task Before Apps book, and it's something I talk about a lot because kids have an opportunity to create something that is brand new to synthesize information from lots of different sources. It doesn't have to replace the glitter and glue hands-on experiences, of course, but they can take those, right, if they're doing something like that and share it with the world. You know, if they create a website that showcases that project that they made, right, or they might create a movie because they're more comfortable sharing, recording their voice than writing a paragraph. So I just love the ability to differentiate the type of product a student can make to show what they know, as well as to increase the connections, if global connections and sharing online feels good for that student and their family and that teacher, um, it can really increase their connections. And so right now, you know, as we're in the midst of um, tackling school closures and this kind of emergency or unplanned shift to learning at home, um, I'm seeing some of those same things take place when educators have reached out to me and are looking for recommendations to say, what can they recommend to families or what might they be able to incorporate in some of the suggestions that they're making to students who are looking to capture what they've learned on their own sort of independent study or with their support of their teacher while they are learning at home. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're, you're a, a constant source of advice and inspiration to educators. And like you said, that's not just individual educators, but that's districts, that's groups, uh, that's conferences, that's huge networks as well. And I, I guess for me, what's one piece of advice that you would give an educator anywhere in the world in relation to EdTech? One thing I often come back to in, I talk so much about apps and websites and recommendations, and there's lots of wonderful things out there, but you really want to find something you can use in many different ways. And so a term I use a lot is open-ended creation tools. And I guess it circles back to that idea of creativity and creation in the classroom. So my big piece of advice is to find something you can use in lots of different ways. And often that is an open-ended creation tool that has a blank canvas. So it's not something just for um, retelling a part of a story. It's not just for documenting a science experiment or making a math tutorial, but something that you could use in all of those ways, even if it might not prompt you to go through that process. So it encourages an educator to be a little creative in their own thinking to say, you know, what can I do with this pile of construction paper, right? You could do a lot of different things with it. And the same thing goes for an open-ended creation tool, whether it's something like 
Adobe Spark, which I love, and I've done some work with their team, um, or Book Creator, which I also love, and I'm doing some webinars for them this spring, right? It, those are ebook tools, movie making tools, website building tools. So when I talk to teachers and I am sharing a whole bunch of favorite apps or resources, I really encourage them to narrow down on the one that's going to have the biggest bang for its buck, the most value, and the one that they can tailor to a lot of different learning activities over the course of the school year. And that can really lay a foundation for building upon more ed tech integration. And it really helps put that task before app, if you will. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. What about for you as a um, a learner, someone that's sitting at home right now, working away, what's one ed tech tool that you're using right now in your day-to-day work that you think other people should be using as well? Gosh, there's a bunch. Um, and I've been very reflective on what's working and what's not as I kind of try and end each week saying which is going to work, which is working for me. I really love Google Keep. It's one of my favorite tools. I'm actually putting together a podcast episode about it because it's something that I use in lots of different ways. And it came up in a conversation really organically last week and it kind of validated that, oh good, it's not just me, <laughs> right? Tell me your, you know, your favorite tip about that tool. And so Google Keep has been great for me because although I am someone with a paper planner, I am sitting at my desk right now and I've got my planner open to today. Um, I like having the digital component because I can color code, I can duplicate things, I can have it up on my web browser, but then I can pull it up on the app on my phone. I can keep things organized. I use it for kind of a weekly um, start and a weekly finish. So on Friday afternoons, um, you know, I'll say, okay, have I done all these things? This is the way I kind of wrap up my week. Is my newsletter prepped for Monday, right? So I duplicate that Google Keep note every Friday afternoon uh, before I start checking things off because it's the same sort of recurring task that I have. So it's really something that you can use in lots of different ways. And for me, it's been my one spot for digital note taking that I think is, and to do list, if you will, uh, that has been most consistent in terms of my organizational routine. I'm so pleased you mentioned Google Keep. I am a huge, huge fan and absolutely adore it. (laughs) I don't know where I'd be without it. Learning, Monica, is important to all of us. I mean, we're educators. We're in the, the business of teaching and learning. What's one book or resource that you've been reading lately or just one of your all time favorites? Tell us a little bit about it and why we should be exploring it. Yeah, so I really love um, memoirs and the power of story to help share information. Right now, I'm actually reading, I believe the the full title is On the Road. It's the Gloria Steinem memoir that came out a couple years ago. Um, I wanted to read it before watching the new uh, Hulu series. So I usually, I'm always trying to read as strategically as possible. And so that and other memoirs, I just finished Untamed by Glennon. Doyle and loved that too. For me, I really navigate towards that genre because I think it's a powerful reminder of just how impactful stories can be when you're trying to communicate information. And so that's something that I think about when I'm giving a presentation or when I'm talking even casually to a group of teachers, that if I can make a connection to a story that they might connect with, it's going to be something that resonates and that they're able to put into their practice. I know I often tell stories from classrooms that I visit or I'll share conversations or kind of brainstorming 
programming, meetings that I've had with someone else, if I think it's going to relate to someone because I want them to say, oh, no, it's not just that, you know, resource Monica recommended. This is how she said, right, it changed that other teacher's practice. Or this is how it's something that she, you know, always thinks of. Or So those are the kinds of books that I often um, go to myself as a reader because I think it's important reminder to say if we can place ideas and strategies in the context of stories, you know, it's going to stick with people more than giving them, you know, an app list <laughs> to explore. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how you do it, Monica. Honestly, you you've done so much. You do so much. You're constantly sharing, and on top of that, you've written books. What inspired you to write all of these books and why should we read them? It's an interesting format because I love the blog and the short bursts and now I've been podcasting a bit and I like that sort of, you know, here's some actionable information, go take with it and I'll talk to you again next week, right? So I've been very comfortable in that short form and that idea of writing a book was something that wasn't really on my radar until um, I was I was approached um, by a publishing company to, to see if they, you know, if we could work together to share something more strategically. And once that whole kind of process started, you know, it's a it's a whole nother ball game just in terms of presenting information. And I love the challenge, you know, of a big project. I'm kind of in the midst of one right now of, of formulating what that's going to look like. But when it comes to reading books that way. I think reading with someone else, especially for professional learning, is really beneficial so that you have a common foundation, uh, some common vocabulary to build off of. And I know that it can be hard to commit to a book club or it can be hard to commit to that sort of reading schedule, especially if you are not in a kind of formal classroom environment where you have those mandatory check-ins as a as an educator, maybe in graduate school and, and all of that. But um, when it comes to the books that I've Created, I've tried to really make them actionable to have those little snippets of story, um, to have graphic organizers and checklists and, and features that make it easy for someone to go to one part of a book and say, this is the part I need to read because I know this chapter is going to give me this thing. You know, so from an organizational standpoint, that's very front of mind. And then, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I just published this quick reference guide from ASCD, which they've got a whole bunch of these. And I, I did a kind of what is it podcast episode um, earlier this um, this month, this spring. And so, you know, this idea of having a quick reference guide, that's this laminated, you know, six panels, you know, pretty much three, <laughs> eight and a half by 11 pieces um, is an interesting way for me who's used to the blog and then used to the books to kind of find an in-between that might be a good fit for someone who can't quite commit right to reading a whole book or might not have um, the kind of partners to read together with or who's supporting say a PLC or a grade level team and wants to do a pseudo book club with them but doesn't want to ask them to commit you know a certain amount of time so it's interesting to think about all these different types of mediums for connections and that's what it really comes down to for me right there's a lot of ways to reach people some folks are happy with a blog post or a podcast episode and others are really craving a deep dive and I feel really lucky to have had the opportunity to create content that falls into a few different categories. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I'm definitely going to go away and look up your quick reference guide stuff because I think those are the sorts of things that really get me going as well. So thanks for sharing that. 
What's the best way for the listeners here today to follow and connect with you? Because you've shared so many good things that I'm sure people are going to want to jump on and learn more from you. Absolutely. So my website, my blog is classtechtips.com. That's where you can find the new blog posts every week. Um, You can find my newsletter, sign up there. And my podcast, the Easy Ed Tech podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this one. Because if your listeners are on social and connecting that way, I know we um, often connect on Twitter my handle is class tech tips and I'm on Instagram also. So trying, I would say those Instagram and Twitter platforms are probably the ones I show up for uh, the most and, and love sharing on. So if your listeners have questions um, or want more resources, I'm always happy to, to jump in and, and answer questions that might come my way. Monica, thank you so much for your time today. It's been totally inspirational. Thank you so much for having me. Next week, Join me for episode 7 of the EdTech Chat podcast when I'm joined by the director of Think Simple, keynote speaker, and co-founder of the Olive Tree Free School in the UK, Abdul Chowan. One of the things I love doing is giving away prizes as a thank you for tuning in, listening, and hopefully subscribing to the EdTech Chat podcast. Last week, Maker's Empire gave away a full subscription to their program valued at $300. Thank you to the many people that entered the competition. To win, you needed to tag myself and Maker's Empire on social media and explain why you deserve the program. The winner has already been contacted directly, and it is Rob McElroy. Congratulations to the winner. This week, our sponsor Maker's Empire is giving you one last chance to win a full-class subscription to their program valued at $300. This will be the last full-class subscription we'll give away. To win... All you need to do again this week is tag both Maker's Empire and myself on Twitter or your social media of choice and tell us why you should win. The team at Maker's Empire will choose the most inspirational reason to win, so get sharing. This week, I also have the opportunity to give away an additional treat. Thanks to the team at iPivo, I have one iOS and one Android app to give away that gives you free access to their new paid app called iDotCam iDotCam is an app that allows users to use their smartphone's camera as a document camera for capturing live instructions or physical materials and then projecting them onto the screen for viewing. If you're using an iPhone, you can even connect your phone to an external display via AirPlay or HDMI or VGA and use that external display as an extended screen for large screen projections of the live images that your iPhone camera is capturing. It is a game changer and a much needed asset in any classroom. To win lifetime access to the iOS or Android iDotCam app, you need to go to bit.ly slash edtechwin and complete the simple form which will take you less than a minute. The link is below and the competition closes on Wednesday the 17th of June. The winner will be contacted directly by me and announced on next Friday's podcast episode. Good luck. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, please smash that subscribe button and share it with your colleagues, friends, and families. I appreciate your support. See you again next week. Thank you for listening to the EdTech Chat Podcast. Creating a community for educators to learn, share, and grow. If you liked today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss another episode and be in the drawing to win prizes every week. If you know others that would enjoy the show, please hit that share button and brighten their day. Join us again next week for your weekly EdTech hit with at Mr. Kemp NZ. We'll see you again soon.